When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Folding pocket. It's time now for the chipping forecast, issued by Folding Pocket on behalf of Andrew Cotter, Eddie Pepperell and special guest Ian Carter. Hello there, you're all very welcome to this, the latest episode of The Chipping Forecast, a podcast which is just catching fire. I mean, it's taking the world by storm. A podcast about which they're saying, latest episode available and upload complete and um, and also meh. So, um, hello, I'm Andrew Cotter here at Wimbledon for the second week. I confess that Wimbledon has, has beaten me. It's broken me. I've been broken twice in the last set. I'm now... Just an empty shell of a man wandering around, muttering stats about what Yannick Sinner has for breakfast. Uh, but the other two in this great triumvirate of the chipping forecast are very much more immersed in the world of golf now at the Scottish Open. Uh, Eddie Pepperell. So Eddie Pepperell could stay at home a couple of weeks ago for the Belfry. And such is his, I think, I'm not sure if it's still the case, but such is his property-owning empire that can you stay at home for this one as well? Do you still have a, a little... Um, Pierre de Terre in, in Edinburgh. You do, you do indeed. I haven't had to sell it yet, but uh, if I keep playing the way I am, then it won't be long. Well, fingers crossed, property prices will bounce, <laughs> bounce back. So, now, Ian uh, Ian travels around in a caravan like Charles Hawtrey in Carry On Camping, but he has upgraded to a Premier Inn and <laughs> this week, and Ian has paid for Premier Wi-Fi to do this. And I so yes. far, so far it appears that the Wi-Fi Premier Inn, despite Lenny Henry's protestations to the contrary, the Wi-Fi Premier Inn is so poor that there's a delay in this. Um, so that's going to be fun for everyone. They're not going to be our first sponsors in the pod, and I just don't care. Get your Wi-Fi sorted out, Premier Inn, average Inn. <laughs> I, listen, I don't think there's anything wrong with my uh, my Wi-Fi. Things sounding okay, isn't it? It's sounding fine. It's just very, there we are. There I, we are a comical a delay where we talk over night. each other. Excellent. I'm looking forward to this already. Um, good. I had a good night's sleep last night. Didn't you? Yes. Good. Did you fling yourself onto no. the bed with sort of a really happy smile, like they do in the ads for Premier Inn, with all your shopping bags oh. being scattered to the floor? And oh, what a day I've had, and what a sleep I'm going to have now. If you'd seen the shell of a man that just shambled into his room, having lugged all his equipment and bags for two weeks of golf, because obviously we've got the open next week, and I was I was a broken man yesterday. I mean, you're you're looking up Yannick Sinner's breakfast statistics. I'm just I'm just gone. I mean, it's this is well, this is on. a six week odyssey, and I've got a fortnight to go. Hang on, a six week odyssey. So you did the first week at Wimbledon, but you still had yes. Because uh, I, I would see you sauntering in at some point during the day. And then on Saturday night, you went off to see Bruce Springsteen for the 12 billionth time. 
How many times is that you've seen him now? Uh, I think it's uh, it's into double digits. Yeah, right. Because that's not. I, I mean, think. some some Springsteen nights, some boss nights are quite. Uh, I've seen him like sixty, seventy times. So that's all right. Derek Lawrenson, the former golf correspondent of the Daily Mail, he's seen him over a hundred times. Yeah, I mean, what's he? Is he? And, is he hoping to find something new there? Something I don't know. What, um, yeah. uh, honestly, is just sensational. That that I had Saturday off, and that was my one day off in the six week period. And what a way to spend it at Hyde Park watching the boss. Do you? Um, I I can. Do you remember the video with? Courtney Cox, who was in Friends, one of her first things yes. on TV was her being dragged up onto the stage by Bruce Springsteen in a sort of, well, stage. Dancing in the dark. Dancing in the dark. So I imagine that's you in the front row being dragged up by Bruce Springsteen. You're just swaying away to Dancing in the Dark. And then... Um, How on earth could you confuse me with Courtney Cox? I'm not, but I just because you're such a devotee of Bruce Springsteen, I just imagine you're gr- grinning and going, what, me? As he points to the front row. And then just getting up and <laughs> having a tremendous time. You, Derek Lawrence, and, and uh, Bruce Springsteen. Is um is Stevie Van Sant still in the E Street Band? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. God, sensational. Did you watch The Sopranos, Eddie? Oh, no. And I like Bruce Hornsby. Um, <laughs> and the um, Bruce Hornsby. Paul uh, Springsteen. Is, is that because you're always on the range? Oh, God. Hang on <laughs> a second. Again, hang on a second, Ian. Hang on. Hang on. Just got to get something for you there. Let's just... Uh... So, um, yeah, good. Uh, I thought you were going to do a link to a Bruce Forsyth impression. I'm glad you didn't. So, so at the same on the same night that you were uh, seeing Bruce Springsteen, Eddie, you'll appreciate this. I struggle at Wimbledon for... Because the days are so long, I struggle for exercise. And if I don't get any exercise, I go slightly mad. So on the way back from Wimbledon, because I'm staying at an Airbnb, I'm staying in a camper van with Charles Hawtrey down the A3, and there is, Ian will know this driving range, in New Malden, there's a big driving range called World of Golf. And if it really is the World of Golf, it's a sad lookout for golf, because it's just, it's not a great range, but it's a big range, lots of bays, double-decker, one of these double-tiered ones. And I went along, I thought, so I'll stop in on my way back to my Airbnb, and I'll just hit some golf balls. Because A, I'm coming back to golf, and B, it would be some exercise. So I was hitting some balls, and then Saturday night in this range, some people go there for the night out, and this group of of teenagers, teenagers, came in being rather loud and loud. I'll be honest; I mean, they were the, the it was a kind of group of of teenagers that if you were walking towards them on the pavement, you would suddenly pretend that you had to go over to the, you saw someone on the other side of the road, and that you had to go and talk to them. Uh, I mean, not me, I'm hard as nails. I would have just bashed through them like Richard Ashcroft in their video. But um, but anyway, they were having a whale of a time. So they set up in the two bays next to me, and they were just um, hammering away at these balls. I think it might have been the first time they'd ever played golf. So they were just hammering into the mat, down on the ball, balls going about 20 yards, 30 yards, balls going into the, the nets in, beside my bay. And I was just working in my little tight, controlled, spinny, 70-yard wedges, just working the short green there. <laughs> and then I thought, no, I've got to assert my alpha male dominance here. So I got the, I got to impress these teenagers. Um, so I got my driver out, went straight to the big dog. And then, um, Eddie, I'm hammering away like DeChambeau in the range of the Masters last year. You know when Vijay Singh was watching him in awe? Well... These teenagers were all suddenly Vijay Singh 
standing back in awe as I just wailed away at the driver. And again, I think I popped my shoulder at some point, but tried to mask it. <laughs> because it meant so much to me to impress these teenagers on a Saturday night in New Malden. And um, I got one out over 300, I got 307 yards. I don't think that these things are particularly accurate. And I think I hooked it massively. But anyway, they were just, they'd never seen anything like it. I think they might have called me old man at one point. But they were just so impressed. And I then (laughs) decided to engage them in conversation. But when I'm in a situation like that, for some reason I go broad Glaswegian. So... All right, boys, are you getting on there? I'm doing all right. Um, because I think it makes me sound harder. <laughs> and they didn't understand that anyway. So I didn't really understand what they were saying. So, But they understood that I was the alpha male of the range. And that's all that mattered. They thought of me as some sort of superhuman. And I went away on a Saturday night with a warm glow because I had briefly earned the approval of those teenagers at World of Golf in New Malden while Ian was being dragged up on the stage to see Bruce Springsteen. <laughs> I'm just so glad, to Andrew, I was at Bruce Springsteen and not on my usual golf practice regime. That's all I'll say. I know. Good. Anyway. I use that I use that driving range. I mean, it's fine. It's fine. It is what it is. It's a range with rubbery balls and big fluffy mats that if you can't get a good shot off those mats, then it doesn't really prepare you for. That's why I go there. Oh, dear. Eddie, what's happening with you? What's happening in your world? Um... How are things? What what happened in uh, in Denmark? Not not made in Himmerland. Yeah, I I am suffering a bit of a golf depression. Um, frustrating two days. I was very poor on the Friday, I have to say, and uh, I booked my flight home on about the eleventh tee after a miserable run through the turn. So, um, did you really did you really get into it on the on the course and and book your flight? You... I did. Yeah. I haven't done that for many years actually, but I. It was bad, and I knew I was. Uh, and then I actually topped the three with a matter of minutes later, so it confirmed that I, I upgraded to business at that point. Um, it was uh, just uh, <laughs> not a good day. So I I came home Friday night and uh, back to the drawing board a little bit. I'm I'm in a bit of a quandary with my game. So although I did purchase online about a week ago, which arrived um, at, at my house on Saturday, which I picked up in time getting home from Denmark. Uh, a little device called the Pro Sender, which is a, a thing that's been created by Sean Foley and David Woods, I think. And yeah. Rory's been using it of late and a few other pros. And I was quite excited about it. So I've used that over the last weekend. And I'll just say that if I have any sort of good performance up in Scotland this week, then I would I would put pin almost everything on that. So time to tell, but I'm, I'm quietly excited about what that might do for my game. What does it do? So what does it do? Oh, God. Wait, it just... Get out of here, Premier Inn, with your massively tardy Wi-Fi. Um, well, what it does is, uh, speaking technically for a moment, it's centred all around basically the right hand and the right wrist. So uh, you set up as normal. It's quite an unintrusive um, trading aid, which is good. And the whole theory behind it is to incentivize you or to encourage you to move your hand into um, into effectively the, the cup that, that you would find it in. So it, it doesn't force you into any movement. It just incentivizes you to get there. So Sorry, the, that, right, the, is... the right hand, because I, I had a device, you know, that sort of yellow plastic thing that you put onto your, your left wrist to, to sort of make sure that you, that was a lead better thing, wasn't it? That you sort of get that cupped properly. But this is in your right wrist. Yeah, so this is in your right wrist. So I think having listened to Sean Foley talk about it, he, he believes that once you set your right wrist into it and you keep it there all the way through the golf swing into delivery, basically 
because it, it leaves the mass of the club head behind your real hands into delivery, your body effectively works well through the swing as a consequence of your right wrist controlling the club face correctly, which I would actually agree with having spent some time in the past working on this type of thing with Pete Cowan and Mike Walker. It's very much of that. Ilk. It's not so much focusing on your body first. It's focusing on how your hands control the club and then letting your body respond to that. Um, so I think the theory behind it is pretty sound. And obviously it might not work for every player, but I do think it, it would work for certainly a player like me who likes to feel like they play with their arms and their hands and have good club face control. And that's something that I've certainly been missing in my golf swing and I've been suffering from a weak club face, a, uh, a very quick body. So um, Yeah, are you a little bit like, you know, in Tin Cup where um, he gets the shanks and then his caddy goes in to find him inside his camper van without Charles Hotrick, but in his camper van and he's got all these gadgets. He's got one on his head, he's got one on his wrist, he's got one of... Um, are you getting a, a little bit like that? No. I'm not. I, I used to have quite a few. I used an orange whippy ball, which you'll remember because I think you've got it I've as got well. I've got it, yeah. Um, <laughs> you use that regularly, I know, to help you impress those teenagers. And uh, I, I I don't use that. I haven't really been using training aids for a good few years, so I've been simplifying it generally, which has been great. And I've been focusing more on my body and movement patterns and this type of thing but the thing with golf playing at the highest level is that's all well and good but you you equally need to have very sound club face control and mechanics and i think that's something that's definitely been lacking in my swing uh, the camera confirms it and obviously shot patterns and the frankly the volatility that i've been having particularly off the tee also confirmed it so um yeah i think this is one of those gadgets that ultimately is a, is a good thing it just sets you in a, it sets you in the same spot every single time does some very good things for your right hand in the golf swing and and I think other things follow on from a good trail wrist kind of conditions. Oh there we are pro sendery and so um, we'll see, I mean we'll see Rory's using it as well so um, we're not we're not endorsing it yet but uh, we'll we'll monitor that closely So what is it, is it like a, a, a bracket or something like that that you fit onto your wrist or I, I'm, I'm trying to um, visualize it. That bracket is what was the the lead better one on the left wrist. It lo- it looks like a sort of Eddie. I looked it up obviously because because I'm gonna I'm gonna get one. We're using a world of golf, so it sort of wraps around your right wrist and it looks quite um it looks quite quite clunky. It's quite a big thing. The thing is, it's far less intrusive when you put it on than it looks. So it, the wrist strap is there to obviously keep it connected to your wrist, but then the the actual device, which is kind of made out of carbon fiber, it's got on the underside of it. Uh, it's been kind of they've, they've developed it so that it fits your hand perfectly. Um, so that when you when you hinge your right wrist, when you hinge your wrists, and you can do this at whatever time of the swing you like, although I like to do it early doors in the swing, you basically hinge your wrist so that your hand fits perfectly into the cup. So you feel the pressure of the back of your right hand into it, and then the idea is you just keep it there all the way through the golf swing into the delivery. You can keep it through throughout and, and follow through as well. That's up to you, really, the discretion. But the key part is you find it and then you keep it there all the way into delivery. And when you look at it in the mirror, and I often do this, especially when I'm kind of naked, it, it, it looks um, really good. So, um, you know. <laughs> that just love Ian's massively delayed laugh coming in there at the wrong time. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Ian, if you could anticipate our funny lines and just laugh uh, indiscriminately... Yeah. And <laughs> oh, rather than play sounds of crickets, <laughs> yeah, um, good. Anyway, so there we are. Well, we we hope for the best for that for you and Sean Sean Foley because he needs a he needs a bump. Sean Foley, he he needs to 
to make some money is clearly not successful enough. Um, so apart from that, let's just quickly look back at the maiden Himmerland end because a home winner, Rasmus Hoigo, as Thomas Bjorn told me to pronounce it. So there we go. Um, Rasmus Hoigo, he's now the high, higher ranked of the Hoigos. Um, can I carry on saying Hoigo? I had this thing about pronunciation because I, cause I uh, insist on saying um, Alcara in the tennis and people really get on to you for it. So, um, But I, I went with it last night and so I haven't checked Twitter to see how angry it is. Uh, I think it's been distracted with other things, but um, just to see how angry it is. Um, but anyway, Rasmus Hoigo uh, won six, was it a six hole playoff? Six holes, the same hole over and over again. The the eighteenth, it went on and on and on. And in the end, it was um, Alvira who went out to bounds with his second shot, got an almighty flyer, didn't he, from the from the rough, and um, went out of bounds into the practice putting area, chipping area behind the behind the green. And that that was that, which was a bit anticlimactic because Hoygaard, and I'm just going to call him Hoygaard, by the way, um, Ooh, his, which wrong. is slightly better than Hodgegaard. Yeah, what a performance from from Hoygaard on the final day with his with his sixty four and player going out of bounds to ultimately decide it. But I I thought it was a great advert for um, DP World Tour Golf. Actually, I watched uh, a, a reasonable amount of it on on the Sunday and um, and a much needed win as well because uh, you know I think a lot of people are expecting a lot from from both Hoygaard twins this year and it's not really happened. But if they're kicking into gear at this or certainly Rasmus is kicking into gear at this time of year. That's a, a really big thing, obviously, with the Ryder Cup waiting in the wings in September. I, I have a feeling, Ian, that you and I were just a, a, a week late with our predictions of Richie Ramsey and Bob McIntyre um, because they were very, very close in Denmark. But I also feel that we Scots have shown ourselves to be a weak and brittle people because uh, Richie double bogeyed the last one. He was leading then the McIntyre a, a triple on the 13th or so. But I'm delighted that he's showing um, really good form again, Bob McIntyre. And, you know, he can hopefully start a run towards the Ryder Cup now. And Richie Ramsey said, you know, he said he went for it on the, the 18th and he didn't feel bad about it. You know, you've got to you've got to go for it. So um, if I, it sort of ties in with Charlie Hull saying on the, because she had a shot. Did she go, was it on the 18th? I didn't see any of this, but I was just reading about it. Good quote, she said, Shy kids don't get sweets. You've got to be bold. Take your chances. Take on the shot. Um, I mean, it's just a motto for our times, really. Push to the front and loudly demand stuff. Say, I want sweets. Um, so you've got to take it on. But Richie Ramsey, he took it on, and the sweet job owner, uh, Rabbit, punched him to the kidneys. Uh, but he was happy with his choice. So um, be bold. We like bold. It's entertaining, and it's confident. And he said, that's fine. And it shows him in good form. And we, we like to see that. But uh, yeah, Hoy got taking the win. And uh, uh, well, let's talk about US Open then, Ian, because uh, uh, Charlie Hull, we, I thought she was going to do it for a wee while. Yeah, she really got going, didn't she? I, and I, when she missed her short birdie putt on the first, you thought, oh, it's going to be one of those days. And then she nearly holds her second shot on the par five second, knocked that in for an eagle and really motored through that final round, played really aggressive golf and went for it on the 18th couldn't quite get the the birdie she was really looking for eagle on on 18 but it was just fantastic to see her playing that brand of charlie hull golf where she just is so aggressive shooting at flags and of course it can 
it can backfire and it can backfire spectacularly. But off the back of the really disappointing miscuts that she's had of late, to see her bouncing back like this, talking very positively about the Evian coming up and obviously Walton Heath with the the Women's uh, Open uh, coming up there in August as well. Um, I think it's it's fantastic news um, from a British golf point of view that she's equaled her her best ever major uh, result she she was second in the ANA inspiration a few years back um but you know tie for second behind Alison Corpus um at the uh, at the uh, US Open at Pebble Beach that's that's really good i i think that injects a great deal of um confidence i think for the british player she's like, she's still only 27 which is extraordinary to th- to think and um yeah i'm looking forward to some some good stuff from charlie through the summer obviously building towards the solheim right alison corpus um from hawaii shall we use uh hawaii, isn't she uh first win on tour i mean she did finish fourth at the chevron which is the first major of the year the not stop oil uh, major so uh, so she has shown some good form coming into this, but still a name that a lot of people won't be familiar with. And, um, you know, looking for, um, you know, it's very different. Golf to tennis is very, very different because far more people can win in golf, but you need to, you need some stars to, to, to really emerge. And uh, who knows? I mean, I think in America in particular, in women's golf, they want an American golfer to really come through and be the next, um, Nelly Corda, um, or whoever it might be, because that's that's the only thing that's really going to start to move the needle. In you know, Rojang might do that, but they need something to to happen in terms of women's golf is always going to have to be fighting a little bit harder to get noticed than the men's game. So, um, Alison Coppers, winning major. Um, where are we going to next? So we go to the John Deere. I mean, we we don't have to round up every tournament every week, but this was quite interesting, Ian, because Sepp Straka. As Austrian as, yes. as Arnie. Um, I mean, he is Austrian born. So people are going, well, Ryder Cup content. And he, he always does get mentioned in the periphery of Ryder Cup discussions. He's Austrian born, but he is pretty much American. He's, um, I mean, he's got an American mother. He moved to Georgia when he was 14, went to high school there. I mean, if you listen to him, he sounds like Roscoe P. Coltrane from the Dukes of Hazard, I think. But he's now the seventh ranked European. He's 27th in the world. So he's above Justin Rose. He's above Shane Lowry. So what do, you, what do you think about good old Sepp? We can hear from him, actually, because I had a good chat with him earlier this this year um, because he's really been on the Ryder Cup radar since winning the Honda Classic, beating uh, Shane Lowry down the stretch last year. And, and then really a, a quiet year this year. And then, of course, uh, an extraordinary win at the, the John Deere Classic, losing a round of 62 with a double bogey, at the last uh, 59 watch was well and truly on um, for most of his round. Uh, I think it was an eagle and nine birdies in there. And Eddie, that's the kind of golf that that you want to see from a prospective Ryder Cup player, isn't it? Um, and we'll hear from him in a moment. But I just just wonder what your take is on, you know, someone who has lived in America since the age of 14 and um as we're going to hear, speaks with American twang, um, but is is clearly Austrian and now a two time winner on the PGA well, it's not, Tour. Sorry, it's not, it's very... not clearly Austrian, Ian, because he said, does he not say that he doesn't know who you'd support right. at a Ryder Cup? So, right, okay. Let's. Do you want to hear it from the the horse's mouth? Okay, 
Here we go. I used to always say uh, that I'm half Austrian, half American, and I said it until a buddy of mine, Clemens, uh, Austrian friend of mine, uh, corrected me and said, no, you're 100% Austrian and 100% American, right? So, yeah, I mean, uh, I didn't really have to do a lot of protecting. We, we try to go back every year uh, to visit with family and friends. And, um, you know, nowadays it's so easy to stay connected with friends from, from Austria. So, uh, yeah, it wasn't really that hard to protect the Austrian side. So you're going to feel very, very European. Um, I'll this, tap into the 100% Austrian <laughs> side, that's right, yeah. <laughs> how, I mean, how, how long has the Ryder Cup been on your radar? Not very long, honestly. Uh, I mean, it's always been a dream, right? But um, unless you're really up there uh, playing in the, in the rankings, really real chance to, to make it, you're really not thinking about it too much. Um, but, yeah, starting, I guess, last year uh, when I kind of shot up in the world rankings a little bit, um, it's kind of started uh, kicking into my mind. But, like I said, on the golf course, you can't really change a whole lot. You can't force that. Uh, you just got to keep getting the results. And, you know, maybe my scheduling has changed a little bit because of it. But other than that, you know, just try to keep playing good golf. But presumably, as a golf fan growing up, the Ryder Cup was on your radar. Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah, we always grew up watching the Ryder Cup. Uh, I haven't been to one, unfortunately. So hopefully, hopefully, I can play in the first one I go to. And who in those previous ones? Who did you support? You know, I always supported players, my favorite players. Yeah. You know? uh, so it never really was about the the outcome for for me and my brother as much. Really? Yeah. We That's just, weird because I mean the Ryder Cup. You know, so, it's, it's tough to watch as a neutral. Yeah, for sure. Um, but you know, I had we had our favorite players, and we we wanted to see good matches and, and see you know a, a close Ryder Cup. So who were the players? Oh, any, I mean Tiger, obviously, right? Uh, we were huge Tiger fans growing up, and then um, Jose Maria Olazabal was one of our favorites growing up. We always admired him and always liked watching him. Uh, Paul McGinley, you know, uh, all those guys. Paul McGinley, that's an interesting yeah, choice. Yeah, we met him. Uh, we met him on the on the putting green one time, and he was a super nice guy. And ever since then, we were we were big fans. So there you go. Europe could well, Eddie. What do you think about this? Have um, ha- have a player in in their side who grew up supporting players in the Ryder Cup rather than teams. It's certainly uh, you know a long way from the Bolter and the Sergio Garcia's of the world, isn't it? Um, I'll say that. I think it's a trend we're probably going to continue seeing. I think if you, if you think about some of the young Europeans coming through, they've spent a lot of time or a lot of their lives in the U.S. Victor Hovland, John Rahm, um, Ludwig Aberg, you know, they've all been to college out there. And I, although I think certainly John still retains a huge amount of pride in terms of his Spanish heritage, inevitably when you have spent a lot of time in the U.S. or in that country or any country, you're, you're going to feel an affiliation towards it to some degree. So we're certainly moving further away from any tribalistic tendencies that may have existed in the past between players on each side, uh, which I think for the event is a shame because that does tend to elicit passion. But um, it'll be interesting to see. I haven't actually met Seb, uh, Seb before, so um, I, I can't really comment on, on the guy, but he's a very good player. And if he's in form, then he's, he's clearly uh, very, very capable of shooting low scores. And that would be great in match play. Did he say in that interview, my friend Clemens convinced me that I was 100% Austrian and 100% American, because his friend Clemens has to do some work on just everything basic arithmetic. I, I was confused by that, but it used to be us and them, and it's not it's not us and them anymore. It's 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 not quite that feeling of because as Eddie's talking about, 
so many Europeans are based in in Florida and indeed go to college in the states and and Ludwig um, Ludwig Albury, as it is actually correctly pronounced Albury. Um what is <laughs> it is there's a little circle in the A so it's not it's certainly not Aberg and if anybody says Aberg they're getting a firm hond um, so it's uh, it's Albury. Uh, in fact, so Beyond Borg should have been Beyond Boria, but because it's just Borg. Yeah, but it's Beyond Borg. It's Beyond Borg. You're being an idiot. Yeah, it's because here, why does honestly. it so, Okay, so it's so it's Sven Goran Eriksson, not Sven Jorn Eriksson, then, if you're going it's, to go for the anglicization. Right, okay. Yeah, so it's it's uh, it's Retief Kersen. Yeah, well, exactly. I used to say that. So, you know, got to make an effort. Pronounce the name as those players would pronounce it. So you wouldn't, because Beyond Borg became so established as Borg that then you had to go with it. But also, it's more with what the player themselves wants to, how they want their name to be pronounced. So if Ludwig, uh, oh, they're, they're testing the fire alarm at Wimbledon again, Ian. So if Ludwig, uh, excellent. If Ludwig Obere wants to be pronounced Eberg, if he says, yeah, that's how I want you to say my name, then we'll say that. Thing is, he is going to feature as well. So we're going to have to sort this out here and now on the chipping forecast, what we call him. Because I think he's going to be a... Eberg. You're calling him Eberg. Yeah. Ian... Porter. Simple Ludwig, simple Ludwig, surely. Just first name. I'm just going to have to go in f- first name terms because you cannot. It's not Aberg. Aberg is so wrong that it's just you're just going with him. That's um, um thoroughly American of you, and uh, no, they're not lovely people, confident people, but um they but they get pronunciations deeply wrong. So don't go Aberg on me. At the very least, compromise and say Auberg. Even the G is wrong at the end, but say Auberg rather than Aberg. It's not Aberg. It's like. Something out of Sesame Street. It's just. I, I remember um, very early in my career as a producer at uh, the BBC World Service, and we used to produce our, um, our sports bulletins to be read by a, um, a an announcer who really didn't have anything to do with um, with with sport, and they would just read. The, and this particular announcer was an expert on Nordic pronunciations. Yeah. And do you remember that? Do you remember the? Um, racing driver keke rosberg yeah. do you remember yep right oh, well so 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 i i wrote this script and he'd got pole position for whatever grand prix and um the announcer read his name as kerry raspberry right okay so um yeah well because i if you write down aberg as it's pronounced it looks like obery so Ludwig Aubrey. Here we go. Here, here. I've got something for you. Here we go. Aubrey. Aubrey. Okay, so there we are. Oh, so that's the name. Aubrey. Oh, she's still going. God. Um, still chatting away to me. Aubrey. Aubrey. But anyway, Ludwig, as he's known, is uh, he's a bit of a prospect. I would rather have him in the Ryder Cup than... Sepp sounded like a lovely guy. And even though Ludwig Aubrey... Uh, went to college in the States. He's he's still died in the wool Swedish. Uh, unless he says, guys, you can call me Aberg, in which case I'm out on him completely. Yeah, he should get in. I, I would give him a pick immediately. His swing looks tremendous. He look, I mean, he does look yeah. good, doesn't he? It's right. Do you see the side-by-side comparison of him and Gordon Sargent on social media? It was, hey, which young gun is better? I just thought, well, Oberi's back is not going to be knackered by the time he's 27 so his swing looks so good yeah it does it does it looks tremendous in fact that tweet annoyed me I think it was Mark Immelman 
annoy me. I feel a bit like you here, but I just picked up he, he misspelled both the names, but then only corrected that he only corrected that he had misspelled Gordon Sargent's name. So uh, I didn't want to pick him up on it. But uh, brilliant, brilliant, uh, two brilliant goal swings actually. Uh, you, and Sam Bennett, there's some tremendous young talent coming out of college in the states. You, you have to say, and if you're a young player now, a young individual thinking, what do I do, especially if you're European? I think you'd be foolish not to consider at least going out to America. They seem the college system seems to be working, and uh, uh, you know that's the future. Well, he went to Texas Tech, and that's how he got his place in the PGA Tour because they have this thing now: if you uh, get up in the rankings and the NCAA rankings, and he was top of the rankings, you get onto the PGA Tour. So that's how he got his full card just in in May there. So and straight into it with that. Uh, high finish in the John Deere, so we're going to see plenty more of Obbery. So Eddie, you you'd pick you'd 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 have him in in the the European Ryder Cup team. I think I would, Ian. To be honest, I think there is there are a few spots obviously up for grabs where we all would probably agree that there's there's no Ryder Cup pedigree behind any of them. We don't know how they're going to fare. I just think you look at that kid's game; he's clearly already, I would use the term world class. I think given a bit more experience. He's just going to be right there, you know. You know, you wouldn't be surprised to see him be in the top ten in the world in a matter of a year uh, or two, certainly. So, um, I just think now's the time to chuck somebody like that in, and uh, yeah, and possibly the same to, to some degree with certainly one of the Hoygaards. So, a sort of potentially a modern day Sergio Garcia. You you remember how you know he sort of burst into the team and then became the mainstay for a for a generation and more. Yeah, I, I think so. I think he, he looks like he's got that much talent, and now's the time to chuck in a few youngsters. So him and the Hoygaard twins, Hodgigard twins, Hodgibodgi <laughs> twins, whatever we're calling them. Um, you know, get get the Adrian Moronk, another young player, got a lot of speed, a lot of talent. Now's the time to certainly bed in those youngsters. In my opinion, there's never there isn't going to be a better opportunity. So uh, I would I would do it. Okay, let's take a, a quick pause. I'm just going to play a sting. I don't know which one it is. So. Hi, I'm Colin Montgomery, and I'm crushing it on the peloton right now. Oh, it's that one. I didn't notice that one. All right, that'll do. Anyway, <laughs> um, so did you enjoy the 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 flash mob dance at Liv, Ian? Did you were you involved uh, in that? I, are you there? Did you go? Are you did you go along? Uh, I went along uh, on the Wednesday for a few interviews, um, which was interesting, actually. Um, Graham McDowell um, was interesting talking about uh, he feels that the the DP World Tour European golf is going to look f- foolish if it turns its back on the option of picking live players if they're playing well enough for the Ryder Cup, if America are able to pick uh, the live players. Um, so that's an interesting debating point. Um, I spoke to Lee Westwood and, and Ian Poulter. Uh, they're looking to kind of rebuild bridges a little bit with the British media at the moment um, because it, it got very, very t- testy over the the, the last year. Um, and they kind of, you know, this, when we were talking to them, it was all in the wake of this 357-page um, document that was leaked by a clerical error in American court um, where it was you know, basically revealed that the PGA Tour has been encroaching, encroaching, encroaching on the DP World Tour, basically trying to get their their mitts on the Ryder Cup and 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 try and get some of the profits out of that and and have more influence on that. And describing the DP World Tour as underinvested and borderline distressed asset, 
And I think the point that 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 Poulter and Westwood are very, very much on is the fact that, or their feeling that the DP World Tour could have jumped into bed with Liv with Saudi Arabian money and not gone down the route of a strategic alliance with the the PGA Tour and and. So all those sort of kind of golfy politics were in the background of the day uh, that I spent there. And I, to answer your question, Andrew, took absolutely no notice whatsoever of any of that dancing stuff on the first tee. It, I, I saw it on, on social media and I just thought, I just don't even want to look at it. I just don't want to look at it. Uh, it's just, just not my thing. Don't even go there, girlfriend. Unless, unless someone was getting on someone's shoulders and trying to get up on stage, I'm not interested. Do you go on somebody's shoulders at Springsteen concerts? Taking your top off. Rose! <laughs> I actually offered to support my wife on, on my shoulders and she took one look at me and said, you can do that. Rose. And uh, that was the end of that. Yeah, good. Quite Truth right. Um, talking about live in the media and uh, some sort of rapprochement, uh, what a, um, live bots, live bots. I mean, this is what, uh, again, the way social media works and you get out there and you just get your narrative out there, whatever it might be. Um, but they, it's extraordinary. I mean, it's, it is an extraordinary place, social media, but the way you can just push out stuff that is just not true. But if you say it often enough and loud enough and hope that it gets picked up, then it becomes, uh, an alternative truth. And people say, well, well, you say that's the truth. I say this is the truth. And it, it's very, very strange. I think there's sort of even inducements to, you know, just here we'll give you we'll give you something if you just put out this propaganda. Well, I've been on a muting um, spree of late with some of them. Uh, I found them to be, you know, I I I'd never, I'd never block on Twitter, but I certainly have been muting of late. There's become a pretty intolerable. That being said, you know, and Ian's just referred to the document that was leaked. You know, there's certainly information that does come out. I mean, I think back to some of the things Phil Mickelson said over the last year, and I think at times. Some of us would have scratched our head at that, but you'd have to say some of what he said has turned out to be quite correct. And so there's always a kernel of truth occasionally in what's spoken. And then obviously when it comes out, it, everyone jumps on that and says, well, it must be the whole truth. But clearly this is a very nuanced subject and um, there's lots of there's lots of things to consider. I, I know there's a guy on Twitter called John Nucci who's a very good, very good follow, um, legal background and tends to see things from both sides. Um, but... You know, it's a strange, strange time, isn't it? And you, this is what, again, this is another chasm that's going to have to be overcome with part of this potential agreement. Um, should it, should it occur? And there's, there's a lot of bridges to some degree that need to be built. And, and, you know, obviously I, I still push back against some of the notion that had we signed the DP World Tour signed with Liv, things would have been better, things would have been different, et cetera. At the end of the day, Liv have come to the table of the PGA Tour. It's what they wanted. And I, and I, and I think that would have still been the same had we uh, as a tour sided with them to some degree. So Live Golf Insider here on Twitter. Um, I was steered towards this by somebody who said, look, um, and it's they're tweeting to Colt Nost, the American player, ex-player commentator, mm. really now. Uh, Colt Nost has recently become the second investor in the hashtag Live Golf franchise, hashtag Cleeks GC. He joins PGA Tour player Scotland Scheffler. Okay. <laughs> It's like one of these emails you get from Nigerian Prince. He joins PGA Tour player Scotland Scheffler, who has been the clique's primary investor since February. One of Live Golf's biggest critics is finally starting to see the reality and future. Exclamation mark. Next week, Colt Norst replies, take this down immediately. And but then they just double down on it and say, sorry, I had to break the news to you, Colt. So they're breaking the news to Colt that he's invested 
in live golf. But again, it's just it's a. Uh, I think Ben Cooley was uh, who's a journalist was involved in something as well, wasn't he? Yeah, so he he uh, has posted on on his uh, timeline a message that he got from an agency representing, well, claiming to represent Liv and the PGA, uh, to pay him basically to tweet nice things about them. And and Ben actually put on there, he said, appreciate it's the game in 2023, but should your legitimate sports league need to be offering people like me money to say nice things, at least start with the people who've shown an interest. Uh, and he's put the hashtag pay the bots. I mean, it just it's all just part of this kind of post-truth world in which we're living and and the whole golf wars thing is is part and parcel of it um it's uh, it, it's extraordinary and you know there're just so many avenues to 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 for these people to go down to try and give some kind of legitimacy to to things that have to earn that legitimacy and and it's um it's very depressing isn't it a bit of this has happened in on our tour as well so there's a thing called the ambassadorial program um, on the DP World Tour, which is funded actually by the PGA Tour, and it's got a substantial amount of money, and they're and they're giving it basically to players in Europe through different, effectively different grades. So you'd have people like Rory and John Rahm at the top, and they would be, you know, let's say given X amount of money to play certain events. But then even I was offered some of this money um, because of my support to the tour over the last year, and I turned it down. And I said simply, well, I don't want to be paid any money to offer up a viewpoint that if it can be swayed by. And, you know, I've been paid, and, and that's freedom of thought and freedom of mind is obviously likewise to Ben, similarly to me, of crucial importance. So, this isn't just happening on the lip side, this is happening on all sides. And that's just, again, another example of where golf has just completely um, fallen down, fallen apart, or is falling apart in the last, you know, in the recent recent times. But as Ben Cawley says, he appreciates it is the game in 2023 because it's not just the game in, in golf, he means it's the game in terms of. People will give you money to say stuff on social media and sell stuff on social media, and I'm not I'm not joking about it when I say, you know, I was offered lots of stuff for for dog related stuff to do stuff and to sell stuff and to merchandise stuff and to say we like this, we do this, we we endorse this product, but um, I'm not saying holier than thou, but it's just it doesn't. If you like the product, then you say something good about it. Whether they're paying you or not, but um, maybe that's not. Maybe we're naive, Eddie. Maybe we're just naive kids. I've learned one thing in the last twelve months. I am so naive. That's nice to be naive, though. It's nice to be an innocent. Um, anyway, so right. Well, let's talk about something which is real and great, and that is the field for the Scottish Open. Um, not the men's doubles match I'm commentating on today, but the Scottish Open. Uh, at Renaissance, because the field is extraordinary. Actually, the link to Wimbledon is that all a lot of the Americans, Justin Thomas, Ricky Fowler, Jordan Spieth, they were all having their photo taken on centre court. They got right onto the court yesterday. Um, and then they headed up to to Renaissance to play because it's just that good a field. Matt Fitzpatrick was here in the Royal Box. He left before the Alcaraz match, or Alcaraz, escape from Alcaraz match. Uh, so he left to obviously go up um, to Edinburgh last night so he missed the best match but um, they're all here and all on the way up there to join that field with um, just everybody in it. Although I noticed Ian, you tell me that Rory McIlroy and again love Rory and his pro sender gadget is he not speaking to the media again before this? 
No, he's not on the uh, on the list of uh, interviews for the for the media. And I mean, that's right. That doesn't mean he's not speaking, does it? It's just he's not on the official list. But no, he's... no. But he's not doing. He's yeah. he's not doing a he's not doing a, a set piece uh, news conference. He's clearly, you know, going through this process at the last major at the at the U.S. Open, whereby he's just trying to keep a very low profile. He's not uh, wanting to engage with the media. He doesn't want to be drawn into into all the live chat and and all of that he's he, you know he's washed his hands of that and bear in mind also andrew that today um the the congressional hearing opens up into the pga tour deal with with dp world tour and and piff um and he does, he definitely doesn't want to be asked uh, about any of that but also he doesn't want to be asked about having um just come up shy in a, in another major you know i think he's just sick and tired of answering the same questions all the time having said that you know as as eddie's just pointed out you know he he he's receiving a lot of money to play in some of these tournaments and you know he is an ambassador for 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 these tournaments and and there is a duty i think to speak to the biggest possible audience you know this week the scottish open is taking place at exactly the same time as the second week of wimbledon um you know one of the the biggest weeks of 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 sport um in in the year at, at this period and and golf has to fight really hard for its column inches and there is a I think a responsibility on the biggest stars to to be up there and and speaking. You know, you, you're you're at Wimbledon and 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 you were at Queens as well, and all the big names were doing all their press conferences there and and selling their sport. And you know, we're we're just reaching a stage where the players are so powerful that they can just do what they want. And um and and Rory's doing that. I can see why. But equally, I think it's it, it's sad that we're not hearing from him. I could understand it at the at the U.S. Open ahead of that, given everything that had gone on and the way he'd basically been stitched up by the deal, and you know, as he said, hung out to dry, and he'd said what he wanted to say as far as that's concerned. But you know, this is this is the peak of the golf season in the U.K., and he is the leading U.K. golfer, so we should be hearing from him. I agree with you, Ian, and and I think it's probably a reflection of the imbalance that he is, if not still feeling, certainly has felt over the last twelve months. We all have it, you know, as individuals in our lives, where we 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 do one thing maybe too aggressively, too strongly, and then we we come off the other side of that wagon. We don't tread the line between you know chaos and order correctly, and over over time, that causes significant imbalances. And I think Rory's probably undergoing one of these processes right now. Uh, as an individual and that's maybe why he's deciding just to detract completely and it's a shame you know we would all rather Rory speak even if he tempers down what he says at least to have him speaking there's always something good that comes from a Roy Macro interview even if he's deciding to only give out 10% of his wisdom so uh, I think it's a shame and obviously over time it will change I'm sure Rory will begin to talk again but um, you know it's maybe a reflection of the year the last year he's had and the toll it's taken and uh, the disequilibrium that he's probably feeling uh, internally yeah, we're looking forward to it. Uh, nonetheless, whoever speaks, uh, hey, let their goal speak. It's going to be great at the Scottish Open. This is where it really starts to kick in. You know, as Ian said, it's battling the second week of Wimbledon, various other big sporting events as well. But, um, you know, looking ahead to the Open, this is where it really starts to get real um, as we look forward to, to Hoylake. So uh, it's getting a bit noisy here because camera, I'm right up in the Court 18 commentary box and camera... Uh, people operators are are coming in and doing things with their cameras, operating them, and I've switched the air conditioning off as well because it was making too much noise. So I'm I'm a little bit warm inside this box. 
Oh, there's all sorts of noise happening. So uh, we'll probably try and wrap it up reasonably quickly from here. Predictions, Ian, for this. We'll do predictions for the Scottish Open because it's a big one. Who, who are you going for? I'm going to go. Uh, what I really, really hope for is that the European Tour players, the DP World Tour players, give a massive account of themselves in this in this um, tournament because I they they live so much in the shade of the PGA Tour. This is a joint sanctioned event. It's a home game, if you like, for those DP World Tour players. So I'd I'd love it. I'd love it if if you know, like someone like Eddie or you know a Proper stalwarts of the DP World Tour give the PGA Tour players a bit of a bloody nose. But I'm actually going to go for uh, an Englishman who plays abroad, who plays in America. Um, I'm going for Aaron Rye. I think uh, he's former champion and he has very quietly gone about his business on the PGA Tour uh, very effectively this year. You know, a couple of decent rounds away from being mega successful. So, um, yeah, Aaron Rye is my pick. Oh, Eddie's got his pro sender on. <laughs> if I win, thing. Ian, if, if I win, I shall be carrying the trophy with the pro sender on. You see, I will hold it as if I've got the pro sender on. <laughs> How much does that retail for, Eddie? Where can I get one? Oh, I'm $169 oh, after shipping, probably about $230. So Good um, Lord. you might as well buy two in one go. Did you order it while you were upgrading to business after topping three wood? Did you just go, were you on a shopping spree as you headed down that fairway? Oh, God. Anyway, so um, I am going to go for Shane Lowry. I just um, just because I'm going for Shane Lowry. There we are. Oh, the Barbasol Championship. Talking about European tour players, DP Wild tour players. They get into, you can get a ticket to the Barbasol Championship in Kentucky. You didn't fancy that, Ian? Uh, Eddie? Not you, Ian. No, God, that would be awful. <laughs> well, actually, you can't as a European tour player, if you're in the Scottish Open, you cannot not play this. So you wouldn't have. My understanding is I wouldn't have been able to play the Barbasol even if I wanted to. So there are there are some Ma- strange Marcus rules. Schindel, regular... Marcus Schindel, Schindel, would he not have got into the Scottish? I see he was in the Barbasol. Andy Sullivan was that Kinnelt? Yeah, exactly. So you don't say Kinnelt because it's wrong. Schindelt. Well, I I don't know where they were on the list. I know this went down to around 75th on last year's list. So I I don't know where they were. I would say though with some degree of confidence, if, if they were eligible to be in this at close of entries, they would have had to have played this and not been able to go and play anymore. Okay, well, right. So that's what's happening uh, this week. Um, email correspondence. We have had some email correspondence, and let me just tr- quickly find a couple of emails. Um, uh, 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 hi, guys. Big fan of the podcast. So I'll just pick, I'll pick a really harsh, critical one to start off with. Mm. One slight complaint, though. Surely, given your love of a pun, episode three should have been called The Thomas Bjorn Identity. I did think about that, but I couldn't remember the name of the film. Um, other than that, keep up the great work. So that's the one. Is, is it Bjorn? Thomas, uh, it's, uh, it's Thomas Bjorn, yeah. Uh, and I, he says, I have an annual Ryder Cup-style golf tournament coming up with some friends. Any tips from Eddie on how to control those first team errors? Probably not at the moment, but... Um, Go for it, Eddie. No, no, the first year isn't the problem, but I think if you are struggling, just get absolutely leathered the night before and, uh, you know, the turn up hungover. It's work, it works. Occasionally works well. Okay, so from Eddie and his pro sender, which he's wearing at the moment, uh, good luck to you, Eddie, this week. Uh, good luck to you, Ian, on your, your home open championship, because you always say you're 50% English but 100% Scottish. Absolutely. You're like uh, Sepp Stracker's strangely arithmetically challenged friend. It's good to be home. Um, so there we go. We will leave it there. If you want to email us, it is uh, thechippingforecast at foldingpocket.co.uk. Again, a very long email address, but thechippingforecast 
at foldingpocket.co.uk. We're all off to upgrade the business, and remember, shy kids don't get sweets. Can I have a sherbet dip tab? And that completes this edition of The Chipping Forecast. Wishing you a safe and pleasant night. Folding Pocket.